Welcome to the scene. This is Screen Time. My name is David Chu, and I am a lover of film and pop culture. I am a theatre student here at UNE, and I'm collaborating with Belgrave Cinema and tuned to bring you this show. Screen Time is essentially a program where I review films that are showing in Belgrave and talk and discuss and opinionate. It has been a long year. I hope everyone has a great Christmas. I'm excited for 2024. I'm sure it will be a great time. Today is the sixth episode of Screen Time, and today I am viewing a Japanese film on screen. A Ghibli film. The Boy and the Heron. Subbed version. This film is an animation, adventure, and drama film. This film was directed and written by Hayao Miyazaki, the creator of Ghibli Studios. A titan, this man and studio Ghibli are world-renowned for their animated movies. And even if you haven't watched a Ghibli film, you are aware of their existence. I would say for sure that Studio Ghibli played a major part in bringing anime outside Japan. This man has also retired six times and keeps coming back. Some of the films directed by Mr. Miyazaki are Howl's Moving Castle, My Neighbor Totoro, and Spirited Away. A lot of his projects have a fantasy aspect to them, and are far from the normal fantasy you would expect. As for The Boy and the Heron, it is an animated movie that can be seen as sub or dubbed, which means you can watch it in Japanese with subtitles or in English. This film has been six years in the making. It is about a boy named Mahito who loses his mother to war and moves with his father and new mother to the countryside, to which he meets a heron that seems peculiar and maybe a little bit evil. This boy and heron now journey together through a world outside their own to save his new mother. For the characters, we have Mahito Maki, the boy who just wants to be alone, Shoichi Maki, a man who works in a factory of boats, and a father of Mahito who remarried and just wants his new family to be happy. Natsuko, the new mother of Mahito and very, very pregnant, has lived in the country forever and just wants everyone to get along. The Grey Heron, a bird that has become a bird man from taking damage. They are from the tower and want Mahito to join them. There are abundant more characters and creatures in this film, and you more than likely won't have seen similar for this year. There is also Kiriko, an old woman, and a young woman, you'll understand. And Himi, a young caring witch who loves fire. For the sub of the boy in the Heron, we have Soma Satonaki as Mahito Maki, Takuya Kimura, as Shoichi Maki, Yoshino Kimura as Natsuko, Masaki Suda as the Grey Heron, Ko Shibasaki as Kiriko, Aimyon as Himi, and as for the dub, we have Luca Padovan as Mahito, Christian Bale as Shoichi Maki, Gemma Chan as Natsuko, Robert Pattinson as the Grey Heron, Florence Pugh as Kiriko, and Karen Fukuhara as Himi. 
For the world of this film, we see a lot. The world was incredibly detailed. The world swapped between drawn and painted. It didn't occur too often, but it was done quite well. The drawn style specifically is cell animation. This is done by having one background and then having characters drawn repeatedly and slightly differently to simulate movement. The drawings were done on clear cell sheets, which would then be placed over the background. It is an older and more traditional way of doing animation. Here we see the painted and drawn backgrounds in this film. The painted backgrounds were incredibly artistic and eye-catching, and the drawn backgrounds were vibrant and incredibly detailed. There is much to enjoy. Even if you're not an art person, you just might become one. There were also a lot of creatures other than the heron in this world. Marshmallows, big fish, pelicans, not quite human sailor people, birds, and stone, and more. A specific moment was when Mahito and Kiriko were traversing the ocean, catching fish and generally just looking at the scenery. The characters did their thing, and there were painted boats and cities in the background. Combined with the music and the other interesting details placed in the scene, it was absorbing to say the least. I thought it was beautiful. There was a vibe just watching these faraway painted boats and cities just passed by as they sailed. The scenes in this film were beautifully animated. The flow of everything felt and looked on point, from the flow of the wind to the flow of the waves, to how other things were affected by these. Ghibli once again put their all into this movie. There is also plenty of contrast to scenes as well. The whole screen is either filled up with movement or literally nothing is happening. One scene in particular that I am somewhat unsure if it was a dream or if it happened but was at some other time in the movie universe. This is also a trope movies use to initiate confusion. It was a scene where Mahito was chasing down the Heron, trying to kill it, and it started to speak and morph with a really whack and smooth human teeth. The wind was picking up a lot and the whole scene began filling with different creatures. The frogs were hippity hopping up to Mahito and basically began climbing and subsuming this child. It was creepy and concerning. A lot happened in the scene. I found myself going from corner to corner, looking. There was just so much movement. Everything was going at Mahito and I actually thought he was going to die. There was plenty more well animated scenes. Ghibli really knows how to play with fire. The scenes are generally quite wide, showing a lot of the environment and what is going on in them. There is generally a lot in the background to look at, as if they know that sometimes what they are putting on screen isn't the most interesting thing happening, making the scene still artistic in a sense. Now the score. Music score, that is. It's Ghibli. What do you expect when I say that? Well, I hope someone thought orchestral, piano, and just anything equivalent to those things. The score was beautiful. Props to Joe Hisaishi. I'd say an accurate way of categorizing this music is an artistic experience. Music that blends into the scene, that blends into the world of the film, and just something that I assume most wouldn't be casually humming. I'd say for me personally, it's not particularly memorable, just that it was great for the movie. I would say I remember the scenes where the score shone for me the best. I'd say it comes to when Mahito was meeting his grandfather at the top of the tower, where his grandfather wanted him to take over his work 
and in this scene. It was just the two of them, a giant floating rock thing, and a table with some key items. The score in this scene was powerful and thoughtful. It made you think of how grand of an idea this was. Another moment was when there was these marshmallow-like things that were supposed to represent human beings being born. They were floating up in the air, and they were being attacked by the pelicans. The music made it more anxious and tense, just to show how much of a horror it all was. Certainly, the scene had my attention. The music elevated it more. Tropes, we have a bunch. Foreshadowing, author inserts, and survivor's guilt. For foreshadowing, in the dream sequence, for example, I mentioned where animals are going crazy and trying to consume Mahito and the heron is a bird person thing. Later we see different creatures try and consume him constantly throughout this film while he is in the tower. Everything is hungry, it would seem. Also, Lady Himi's fire powers hint hint at someone's death. As for the author inserts, Mahito, this child, is young Hayao Miyazaki. At least that is what I am led to believe. It would be cool if it was, for reasons I can't explain, but it also makes sense seeing the creator of Ghibli and these animated films in a world like this as the main character. One could liken all films like this to how Miyazaki sees the world rather than these other worlds existing. It is cool to think these other worlds exist, but also cool to think that this is how other people see the world. It is a fun trope, which I say is a mixed bag of if it works most of the time. It was fine this time, if nothing else. And lastly, Survivor's Guilt. That's a rough, rough thing in general. Mahito and his father survived war and chaos, but Mahito's mother didn't. Every time this man sleeps, he sees his mother consumed by fire, and every time she says, it's alright. That's trauma right there, and Ghibli makes the fire and death beautiful, and downright traumatizing for the rest of us just trying to enjoy a film. I'd say the trauma was done well, made me sad. I'd say it was accurate too for Survivor's Guilt. It can eat away at someone, and make them do stupid stuff like Mahito. Looks old enough to understand, and has been through enough to understand when he's doing something stupid. Does it anyway. So yeah, tropes are well utilized, and traumatizing. Moving on to acting. The acting in this film was personally for me alright. It wasn't amazing, and it wasn't bad, as someone with limited knowledge of Japanese acting. That's all I can really say. I think the casting, on the other hand, was pretty good. The voices appeared to suit each character, except for Mahito. Mahito, to me, sounded a lot older than the way he looked. I understand that anime and cartoon characters are a wide range, and are going to have their difficulties and differences to other forms of performing media. But still, this is Ghibli, so I need to have some faith, but on the other hand, every other character's voice felt right, except for Mahito. This will sound a little cringe, but I've watched a lot of anime. There are voice types that fill roles, such as dad, grandma, evil person, monsters, and more. There are variations, for sure. The voice actors do other types of roles if they're suited, 
The voices add complexities to their characters, a general base for who this person appears to be. Mahito's voice, I suspect, they chose an older sounding person to represent how Mahito had to grow up too soon because of the trauma. But I personally don't think that worked for me. Perhaps for others. Maybe it was unintentionally deep, but they already cast the voice actor. Either way, everyone else was on point. I liked Kiriko, and the pelican was sad. Messages in this film. There is do what you gotta do to survive, and it is okay to forgive yourself. The first message is more prominent, I would say. The second one is more of an underlying message that I saw. Do what you gotta do. Life is rough. The world is rough, and other people sometimes ain't gonna be helpful. You gotta be independent. Sometimes it is good to rely on people, but at the end of the day, you have to make the decisions. You have to take the next step, and people around you will either be attempting to stop you because they too are taking a similar next step, or just some sort of random bolt of luck. Sometimes it's all about something only you can do, and sometimes you are alone. It is sad to hear and say, but it's true. No matter the friends or family or support, you are alone at times, and it will be up to you to make a move. I think this message is important because sometimes people get lost and just immediately cling to a safety net. You become reliant. Once it's gone, that will be a problem. Of course, the opposite of this message is true too. You are not alone, and go seek help if you need it. As for the second message, it's okay to forgive yourself. It's true. It may take a lot of time and a lot of experience, but it is okay to forgive yourself. Sometimes it takes no time at all. It very much depends on the individual experience, of course. It's all part of learning and growing. Sometimes we make mistakes, sometimes we will feel like it is our fault. And sometimes that may be true. What is important is time. Learning from it and making sure that it doesn't happen again. Disclaimer, I am also not a therapist, so if you do feel bad about something, I suggest going to see one. The Boy and the Heron. Have you heard of a book called How Do You Live? I bet you haven't. It was written by a political prisoner and was banned in Japan. It's no longer banned, I believe. It was banned because it contained imperialistic ideas and unpatriotic ideas. That at the time of the original publication, Japan, or rather Tokyo, had problems with it. The original authors were then imprisoned by the thought police in Tokyo. The Boy and the Heron is inspired by it, but not any way the same. But I think that this is just a fun fact for you all. This book is also Hayao Miyazaki's favorite childhood book about friendship, individualism, Napoleon, and deontological humanism. I'll let you all look that last one up. The Boy and the Heron is also just the English title, not a translation. Or so I'm led to believe. The movie title is also How Do You Live? Now for reviews. I'm sure you can already guess what scores are like. We have critics giving 8 to 9 out of 10 for this film. They are saying, What's clear after watching The Boy and the Heron is that the animation world is a scary place without Miyazaki. Miyazaki doesn't miss a beat. The story becomes overly crowded, simultaneously enchanting and confusing, funny and ominous. Miyazaki is still doing incredible work. 
The art history is masterful, but the story is fr- frustrating and confusing and lacks structure. Audiences are saying 8 to 9 out of 10 as well, though it seems critics are giving higher ratings, if only just. I love these movies. Legendary animation with story you could follow. Most original storyline. The wind caresses you here like a warm embrace. Still searching for plot and meaning. Definitely different. Makes you think to the end. So definitely watch it. Yep, it's a Ghibli film for sure. For me, I enjoyed the film. I thought the animations were lovely. The drawings were fine. The voice acting, other than Mahito, was pretty good. The world was cool, and the music was enjoyable and experienced. Despite all that, this isn't my type of film. And it was depressing for a fair bit of it. Too artistic, maybe. As a critic, sure, it was pretty good. As general enjoyment, I'm putting this at a 7. This film is leaving theatres soon, so give it a watch. And to end things off, a quote from The Boy and the Heron. Mahito has turned into a parakeet? Thank you, Belgrave Cinema. If you feel like enjoying a movie, why don't you pop down? 145 Dumeric Street. Students get cheaper tickets. If you love movies, there's a Belgrave Plus membership that you can get to have cheaper tickets for a year. I'll see you all again next week. This was Screen Time on Tune 106.9, going to the credits.